You may be the most impressive man in Zenith, Sam, but you're not in Zenith now. You're in Paris now, and I'm tired and sick of apologizing to my friends. Have you been apologizing to this crowd yes, for I me? Have. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order from the very first award ceremony to someday the present year. I'm Susan Raslin. I'm David Daw. And this week we watched Dodsworth, one of the nominees for the 1936 Academy Awards. And boy, it was a hate watch. It wasn't even like a like propulsive hate watch. It was like long periods of boredom punctuated by fuck I hate this movie. It didn't even have the decency to be consistently angering me. It would just have long periods where nothing fucking happens and then we would get back to the part where whenever anything happens it is enraging. <laughs> I guess I was lucky because you had sent me so many text messages about it while you were watching it before I had that I was very engaged in hating this movie. So my experience was different. I actually had a pretty high level of consistent fury that propelled me through this movie until like the last 20 minutes or so. Where it really, really started to drag out. I was about to say, when it really kicks it up a notch to be the worst. So, I guess we should do a plot summary, but, like, I have so much trouble separating what the plot of this movie is out from the, like, polemic it it, it is in practice, which is just, like, this is a movie about how divorced men are always right and their wives suck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, this movie is fascinating to me for that reason, because it was like, oh, so dudes who basically, like, destroy all of the vitality of their wives who have surrendered their entire lives to being a wife and then cheat on those wives always have the same fucking story, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was just strangling me. And it's like, dude, you literally have done whatever the fuck you want your whole life while she has waited on you hand and foot. And now that she wants to, like, do something at all, other than stay home and, like, make sure that your brandy is in a glass next to your chair when you get home from work, she's insufferable? Cool. Cool, bro. Cool. And, like, the thing that's so weird about it is, like, this is a fictional universe. You made it up. Why are you, like, why are you still including that detail? Right. <laughs> Instead of having this be the story of a, like, wife who is strangling her husband with all of her demands, it is still the story of this horrible, narcissistic piece of shit. But then his wife is this harpy that cheats on him as a completely separate thing to justify him being a narcissistic piece of shit. And she's not even that bad. Like, he really could have cranked it up with her. Yeah. To make it something where she's like this total ball-busting uh, shrew, and she's just not. The thing that is supposed to be just unforgivably terrible about her is, like, she's vain. Whoa! But, like, it's not like she doesn't have a reason to be 
be. Like, it's not like that doesn't matter. In fact, she is obsessed with youth, but the fact that she does, in fact, get older in the world and she is, in fact, an older woman does destroy her only shot at actual happiness in the film. Well, of course, because we have to punish the shrew. <sighs> so the plot of this movie, and then we'll get back to the polemic. <laughs> Sam Donsworth, who is played by Walter Houston is the president and founder of Dodsworth Motors, which he sells to some company that is basically like General Motors, but is a fictional General Motors. And then he retires. He and his wife are going to go on essentially like a European honeymoon because he promised her when he proposed to her that he would take her to Europe and has not, despite the fact that they have been married for 20 years because he's been working. They take the Queen Mary over to England, where Sam meets Edith, who is played by Mary Astor, who is, to be fair, incredibly fucking sexy. <laughs> but, like, nothing happens. They just become friends. And Fran, his wife, meets this, like, total dipshit like sniveling snob of an Englishman they flirt all the time and then when he tries to kiss her and she's like no no I'm I'm married and that's not what this was about we were just having like a fun flirtation he like basically is absolutely fucking horrible to her well here's the thing I kind of thought as we got to that part of the scene like boy they're really making this guy an over-the-top misogynist to make her then fucking Dodsworth comes in and like, oh God. And she's like crying and humiliated and probably scared since she was like all but sexually assaulted. And then this guy like read her the absolute riot act because she didn't want to sleep with him. Yeah. And then her husband comes in and basically literally goes, well, obviously you were asking for it. Don't think I don't know. Also, dude, you were just fucking flirting with the girl in the nice hat up on the fucking... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and part of the reason, well, all of the reason, really, that she ends up in this flirtation with this English guy is that she wants to dance and she wants to go to the cruise parties, not cruising parties, but like they're on a cruise, and do things while they're there. And he has absolutely no interest, it seems, in ever participating in any activities with her he literally never dances with her in the whole movie and from the very beginning from the first scene where we see her dancing is like something that is important to her which like fine if you can't dance that's okay but understand why she was dancing with this other guy is because you refuse not because she's a big slut and like the movie wants to position it as like this frivolity that only unserious people do but then, like, literally everything in the goddamn world except for starting a business and being a man of industry. Like, travel, talking to other people, going to parties, any social activity is directly labeled as frivolous. And it's like, then the problem isn't that she's frivolous. The problem is, like, you don't fucking care about anything but your shitty job. Right. So... She's all upset and is like, I don't want to go to England. Let's just go straight to Paris. They go to Paris where they are for a couple of weeks. She ends up meeting people and socializing and and he like goes to tourist attractions all day long. 
And of course, she ends up involved with this guy, Arnold, who is a like some kind of minor aristocrat, like a baron or something. I don't know. And she ends up renting a house with him and his friend, who is a woman that she also met. And Sam is like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. And she says like, well, okay, Sam, then you can go home. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, no, no, fine. I'll go. I'll go. And she's like, actually, I want you to go home because you're making me miserable. And I want to go do this and I need to go do this. So he goes back home to Zenith, Misha, Wisconsin. Yep. And makes everyone miserable there, which is somehow supposed to be her fault. Mm hmm. Yeah, because she's not there to take care of his every whim without him thinking of about it and completely taking it for granted. And so instead he takes it out on his daughter, his son-in-law, uh, his banker, his banker's wife. <laughs> his secretary he has for no reason because he doesn't have a job. Um, oh, I thought she was a maid. I It's... Whatever. Yeah. She's a servant of some kind. And then he puts two and two together that his wife's probably cheating on him, which he requires like 37 telegrams and a private investigator to figure out, yeah, no shit, dude. She told you to like leave Europe while she was like, whatever. <laughs> Not that cheating on your husband is great, but like also you are an idiot as a separate topic, dude. <laughs> No, cheating on your husband is not great, but if you've been married to a guy for 20 years who has given you zero fucking attention and has absolutely no interest in making you happy or having a life of any kind, and whom you have treated essentially as your housekeeper and personal servant their whole life, like, yeah, she's probably going to go find uh, find somebody who, like, pays attention to her at all. So he goes to Europe and is like, yeah, I'm coming to Europe, so you'll need to show up at wherever it is that he's going to be. He gets there and he has called or somehow telegrammed or whatever Arnold and told him to show up. And so instead of confronting his wife individually, brings the guy that she's having an affair with and utterly humiliates her. They decide that they're going to try again at their marriage. They go to Vienna. Their daughter has a child. And of course, like while she's in Vienna, she ends up getting involved with some other baron. Isn't that the same guy? No, it's a different one. Oh, okay. Not Arnold. This is uh, Kurt. Baron Kurt von Obersdorf. And he proposes to her. She says, like, you know, Sam, this is my chance for happiness. Like, can we get a divorce? And he's like, well, don't you want to, like, see how it goes with this guy? Like, what if everything falls apart? And she's like, no, let's let's just get a divorce. Like, I'm pretty certain. And also she says, like, if it does, that's my problem to deal with. Which is, like, I don't know, the most adult thing anyone says in this movie. (laughs) yeah. And so the movie has to punish her for having a good opinion. (laughs) Right. And makes it so that Kurt has a mean mom that rejects her for not being Catholic enough and being too old. Right. Because she's not going to provide them with heirs, even though they're like broke. She's maybe 40, right? (laughs) Like, maybe. That, like... (laughs) Like, that's the other thing about that is, like, I'm fairly certain, like, Fran is younger than you, Susan. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, is it, I don't think she. I you're not for like I'm not. You're she not forty, could, she but could like be that, my like, age. Yeah, for sure. Like if she got married at eighteen, they've been married for twenty years. She could be thirty eight. Yeah, and like that seems about right. I for some reason in my head was like she's like thirty six, thirty seven ish. They had kids young back then. Yeah, definitely doesn't seem like the daughter like went to a four year women's college before she got married because Dodsworth would never accept that. No, it's, that's a waste of her life. Yeah. You can't educate a woman. That's a waste of her life and of his money. So the the whole objection that she's way too old is ridiculous, but it does let us punish Fran, and that's the important thing, because ex-wives are terrible. Yep. So he decides that instead of going back home, well, he needs to be in on hand for the divorce because she's going to get divorced in Vienna. So he's just like, cool, I'm going to travel around the continent. And then does the thing that fucking pisses me off whenever ex-boyfriends have done this to me, which is, oh, well, now that we're broken up, I'm going to do all the things that I would never do with you <laughs> that were the reason we broke up. Like, cool, bro. Good, good job. I had a lot of personal feelings about this movie. I don't know if you noticed. That's fair. It also just sucks because he's also just like such a shitty human being about it. Like he does go on like a European tour, but like spends all of his time alone, moping, snapping at all of the help and letting everybody know that tourism is essentially pointless and stupid and what frivolous people who don't like have important things to do do with their life. Then he meets up with the other woman that inexplicably will put up with his shit for more than five minutes in Naples. Edith. (laughs) And they fall deeply in love because the movie's almost over. And seemingly no other reason. And he decides he has a new business which rejuvenates him because business is (laughs) the only thing in life worth doing. And he's going to make Virgin Airlines for Russia. Which, (laughs) by the way, sounds like a fucking terrible plan. There's already plenty of infrastructure. Anyway. Yeah, he's going to start an airline specifically that connects Moscow and Seattle via Siberia. That's going to be his whole airline. Yeah. Then he asks her to marry him. She's like, yes, of course. I can't imagine my life without you. Again, though, even that is being too kind to Dodsworth. He just assumes she will marry him. Yeah, that's... He does not actually ask. That's true. (laughs) So they decide that they're going to get married And then we have this whole scene where the Baroness von Obersdorf brutally humiliates Fran for being old and not being able to have children. And Kurt is like, well, why don't we just hold off on getting married until I can talk her out of it? And she's like, no, no, you never will. Which, to be fair, there's no talking this woman out of it. Yeah. And so Fran calls and tells Sam, like, look, I'm not going to marry this guy. Can we give it another go? And at first he's like, yeah, okay. I have to because we're married. But then she makes a single request about anything. So they get together. They're getting on a ship to go home. And what is it that she even asks for? It's like... it's Well, first of all, she like insults the, like, the terrible old woman that has ruined her life. And he's like... Oh, yeah, right. I think it's terrible that you've said something shitty about this woman I've literally never met and have no reason to have any opinion on. Yes. It's just small of you. <laughs> 
she's like, I guess we could like go to a show or do anything with our life. And he's like, I can't do that. I have to think about planes. I knew this would never work. <laughs> so then he tells a bellboy to get his suitcase and he gets his suitcase, steps off of the boat. Oh, after telling her love has to stop somewhere short of suicide, which is... Which is like 100% he got on the boat to tell her that, right? Yeah. Like, he'd thought of that three weeks earlier. Yeah. And like... Particularly because this particular man has absolutely no way with words. Like, I feel... I feel like that's something Edith says to him off screen, and he's like, oh, well, then I need to repeat that. There's that, and there's also... It does seem in character to me, because what the fuck does that have to do with anything, my dude? How is she killing you? In what way is she killing you? Yeah. Please describe a thing she has done besides not enjoy aging because that sucks for her <laughs> and asking you to go to parties. <laughs> what? Which part of that is murder? So he gets off of the boat and Fran is like, oh no, we're going to leave without him. And like realizes that he's, he's going to be gone and looks utterly stricken with a close up where we're supposed to be like, I don't know, like, cheer that this woman's life has been utterly ruined by this fucking asshole and that the best years of her life she realizes are now behind her, which she has sacrificed in servitude to this asshole. And then he goes back to Edith and they kiss in the end. Fuck, this movie sucks. <laughs> I hate it so much. It is not that this is the worst movie we've watched. It's just so irritating. That there's nothing there to go, why did people make this movie? Why was this movie made? It is not a question I genuinely have trouble asking often with Oscar-nominated films of like, how did this get made? Why did someone make this? Why did this happen? Because like, the answer is usually to win an Oscar. But like, in this case, I'm asking it because I'm like, who got a divorce? Who was the person? <laughs> that during their divorce read the original novel, missed all of the social commentary that was in there, and was like, yes, this part where a wife is brought low needs to be brought to the silver screen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the original book is written by Sinclair Lewis, which I haven't read this book, but I have read other things that he's written. And he's very good at portraying people as as complicated, even while he is totally satirizing middle-class mores, specifically American ones. Whereas this seems to have missed that, that there is anything sympathetic to Fran, even while portraying what I assume is probably close to the novel's version of her. The movie is, is so damning of her and makes him the hero, which I also can't believe would be Sinclair Lewis's perspective on Sam. I mean, it feels like that from reading the, the sort of summary of the novel, which does seem to follow the broad general outline, that like they just forgot the part where they were supposed to show actual frivolity. They forgot to do anything in Europe that was social commentary about, like, petty, bougie, shitty people with money. Right. And instead, just have him declare, you guys are all so petty, when it seems like he just wants to go to bed because he's a, like, old stick in the mud. Yeah. And so, like, in the absence of that, 
because the movie apparently doesn't actually give a shit about any of that social commentary. What it gives a shit about is saying, like, the wife is terrible. But it doesn't actually show the wife being terrible. Like, the most horrible thing she does is cheat on her husband, and the movie is at such pains to go, like, he takes the next step almost every step of the way in this escalating war of their marriage breaking down to the point where it's like, why did you show me all this shit to, like, make it seem like a vaguely sympathetic decision that she's decided to go elsewhere? Because both of them are miserable. Yeah. And then the movie, like, seemingly wants you to hate her for all this other stuff that's, like, fine. She's not happy enough about being a grandmother. Okay. Which at 41, which is apparently her age in the book, a lot of women have a hard time with with being 40 uh, for good reason. Because shit, like, the guy that you are in a relationship with, his mom won't let you marry him because you're old. Right. Like, that's the thing that's wild to me is that, like, the movie spends so much time giving you justifiable reasons for Fran to feel the way she does, but then goes, yeah, but like, fuck her. Isn't she the worst? And it's like, no, he is. He's awful. He is awful. The whole like sociological issue with women being basically worthless when they're past the age of 30 is awful. But like her responding to external forces that tell her that by freaking out is like... It's not a personal failing on her part. Yeah. The movie ends up playing it like she's insufficiently a snob, and that's what makes her frivolous. Because he's constantly like, these people are just pretending to be old money. Old money wouldn't hang out with us. But like, okay. Like, what? what? <laughs> I Yeah, God, God forbid she should have friends who want to go out and do things while you want to go look at, you know, Napoleon's tomb and then go to bed at 7 p.m. Right, like serious people do. <laughs> like, he's such a tourist, too. He's so disdainful of tourism, but then is just, like, would never stick around in a place long enough to, like, actually be anything but the most American tourist. Yeah, he is terrible. He is terrible. And this movie's entire perspective is terrible. It's it's misogynistic. He is at points downright abusive and not just neglectful. There's a, a point after the initial man that she gets involved in a flirtation with when he totally humiliates her, where after she cries and Sam is like, well, of course, because you were flirting with him. So what was he supposed to do? Where she says to him... Oh, it's always the effect of, like, if I ever act like this again, or if I ever start to think more of myself, will you beat me? What is the... What has been going on for 20 years that she's like, please hit me? If I ever get so big as to think a man might be interested in me again. That, oh yeah, that's what it is that she says. Yeah. It's, it's real fucked up. That scene is just, there's no coming back from that scene on the boat. And it's 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. No, it's 26 minutes into the movie. That's supposed to be your, like, first window into how terrible she is. And it's so just, like... The protagonist has done something so utterly unforgivable that I just don't really give a shit about him for the rest of the film. And, like, 
the, it would be one thing if, like, his fuck you at the end of the movie was about how this, like, marriage was bad for both of them. Right. But it is so clearly about, like, you're this terrible harpy sucking the life out of me, and I've got to go to my new wife, who definitely won't get sick of me in five minutes. <sighs> I really want the sequel of this movie where he and Mary Astor's character, Edith, get married, and it's like, three weeks after their marriage and he's going to bed at 7 p.m. again, never talks to her because he's working on his airline, comes home and like yells at her because his scotch isn't waiting on the table. And she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I've already been divorced. I'm not afraid of it. I'm an expat living in a villa in Italy. You can get the hell out my house. <laughs> yeah, he's living in that villa alone within a year and not <laughs> opening up the letters from his daughter because she's asking, hey, what's going on with mom? Hey, what the fuck happened? Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's more trouble than it's worth. Planes. Yeah. And like, yeah. Ugh. Oh, and the, the whole interaction with his daughter where he comes home and he tells his child, well, your mom just had some stuff that she needed to deal with over in Europe that she's going to do. And the daughter is like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And I'm like, what? Uh, no, there's no, there is no way that she wouldn't be like, what's going on with you and mom? She's married for crying out loud. This is my headcanon. And it's definitely not the intended read in the film because you're supposed to think that like one of the reasons Fran is horrible is she hasn't been like keeping in touch with the daughter enough but 100% I think the two of them are writing letters back to each other constantly and the daughter's like all right mom's like hooking up with some like kind of shitty socialite in his late 20s that's fine dad's boring and sucks and screams at me when I don't get him whiskey so <laughs> and the son-in-law has like one line in the whole movie because he is so so whipped by sam he's like terrified of his father-in-law and I, I i mean honestly like i feel really bad for him he's like married into this family where his father-in-law is a is a tyrant yeah it feels like he was like a middle manager at dodsworth motors and, like, the father-in-law could destroy his life at any time. <laughs> There's a lot of yelling in this movie, obviously. It's sort of the yelling that, that indicates to me that maybe the filmmakers knew that this was a satire, but fucked it up really badly because it's so over the top. But, it again, like, I don't know how they could have missed it so badly. They really just, they had absolutely zero sympathy for for Fran, and I'm supposed to have sympathy for Sam, who has this, like, entire ten-minute scene where he's just shouting at everyone. And the actor who plays him, Walter Houston is, like, a, an easy five inches taller than everybody, and he's, like, a broad-shouldered big guy. And the threat of violence there is so clear that it's, like, uh, th this isn't a good guy. Yeah. And like, I think the intended read of that scene is that like Fran has driven him to this because they make such a big deal about like 
how the routine is different because she's not there. Right. And it's all her fault that she's not there to make his life comfortable when he's done fucking nothing for her. Right. But like, if your wife not laying out your mail exactly where you like it on your desk and leaving you some alcohol results in you flipping your shit at everyone in your life, that ain't her fault, bro. (laughs) No, you're a monster. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So should we rate this movie? I honestly don't know. Like, I... (laughs) No. Like, no. I don't want to give it that. (laughs) No. I don't want to give it... (laughs) It it if I get if I put a number on it, it would be a higher number than I gave other movies. But you know what? I refuse. I'm not rating this movie. That's fair. That's totally fair. I don't. I don't. Uh, can we do that? I guess we. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. And and nothing that is good in it. And there is very very little. Particularly for a movie that takes place in, like, all of the major European cities, it's not terribly pretty to look at. Did they actually film in Europe, like, for any of this? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. The costumes are okay. I mean, they fit, I guess, but there's nothing, like, there's nothing exciting about them. Mary Astor is excellent in a... a role that doesn't require her to do very much other than have a sexy husky voice and like occasionally lower her eyes <laughs> but none of it even cracks like oh well this was a time in this movie where i didn't want to throw something <laughs> i mean mary Astor's doing her best but it's like 1930s manic pixie dream second wife Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. At one point, she literally says the like, or at least it directly implies because he's like, what, what are you like, what are you trying to get out of traveling? And she basically just goes like a husband. Why would any woman do anything except to get married? Like, yeah, (sighs) which like for me, if I'm a divorcee living in a villa in Italy, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) like, (laughs) I also feel like the other way that, that that you possibly do a sequel to this is that, like, it's two weeks later, Mary has waited just long enough that the marriage can't be annulled and has brought in her divorce lawyer she already has to just ruthlessly get money out of Sam. <laughs> Gotta pay for that villa somehow. Yeah, there's some, you know, I want to do some, some new tile work and these terracotta roofs do not come cheap. And you're a sucker. So, yeah, yeah, I want all your money. (sighs) And apparently Fran has her own money. So, like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him having to, like, pay alimony out to both of them. And that his, like, major sale of uh, Dodsworth Motors now has left him utterly penniless. And he is dependent on his daughter and son-in-law who hate him. And then, like, I don't even want it to be that the business fails. I want it to be that his new airline is just successful enough that he has to constantly deal with, like, oh, the reason nobody did this is it's fucking cold as shit in Siberia and planes don't like that. So, like, I constantly have to deal with maintenance and ordering new parts and, like, (laughs) doing all this shit for my modestly successful airline for rich people. 
for for rich people who want to fly between Seattle and Moscow. Yeah. Which like is that a is that a thing? Is that even a thing today? Where people where there's like enough of a drive that people are just like bunch of Seattleites just dying to go to Moscow and vice versa. And like I feel like it's like it is just enough of a thing to fill up a plane, but also just not enough of a thing that, like, Sam knows the name of all of the- like, everybody's a regular. There's, like, just these weird people who, for some reason, have a business reason to travel between Seattle and Moscow all the time, and there's just enough of them to keep this shitty airline going. That is the future I wish for Sam. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that we have created, like, the most hellacious end of life situation for him where he's essentially in some sort of business financial purgatory until he dies yep (sighs) that's a better movie than this one well he'll never figure out that running a business has to stop somewhere short of suicide so he'll just keep running (laughs) the business forever (laughs) yes yeah should you watch this movie? Obviously, no. God, no. If you have some way to get the National Film Registry to unselect this for preservation, I mean... <laughs> yeah. I get that it's not a zero-sum game and another, like, it's not like this being on the list means that, like, we can't save a movie I like, but, like, I don't know... Maybe maybe don't make it somebody's job to make sure this movie's okay, for Christ's sake. Also, Richard Corliss, who is, was the critic, the movie critic for Time Magazine, put this on his list of all-time 100 movies since the beginning of Time Magazine, so since 1923. In 2005. Yeah. How? There were 100 better movies in the eight years previous to 2005 than... Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, that you're stretching back through so many... God, I don't even know what... I don't know what you would see in this movie besides, yes, somebody's finally sticking it to my harpy (laughs) ex-wife. There is absolutely... That's, That's it. There's absolutely nothing else to recommend this film. And, like, f- fuck you for liking it a little bit, then. <laughs> like, ge- generally, I think, yeah. like, ah, art is subjective. It's very hard to tell a good movie from a bad movie. I think people who like this movie are bad people. <laughs> yeah, same. And apparently he and his, his wife never divorced. Like, he died married to the same woman. Though her name was Mary. So maybe he's like, oh, I got my Mary Astor first. I don't know. But he was, <sighs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not impressed with his, uh, his choice of this movie on the top 100 movies of all time. Cause it sucks. One of the things down at the bottom of the Wikipedia page, one of the reference links is to AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, which is not listed as one of the, like, honors that it won, but then it specifies it's just on the ballot, which (laughs) seems as close to this was a movie as Wikipedia can actually get. Um, (laughs) It was. It was a movie. 
that's all I'm gonna let it have. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was a movie. Uh, so for next week, we are watching Libeled Lady, a screwball comedy. Yeah, which seems like it's gonna be problematic as shit, but like, also William Powell and Myrna Lawyer here, and so thank God. And Gene Harlow and Spencer Tracy. So maybe, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. As long as Myrna Loy isn't playing a, a cardboard cutout, then I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, uh. I say that and then. Uh... <laughs> it could go wrong. I'm not going to say you can't go wrong. Yes. But I'm really hoping they give Myrna Loy just like two or three good Boma, and that'll be enough. That'll be, that'll like win it 1936, practically. Well, Mr. Deeds, but yeah. So until then, again, this was a movie. The AFI agrees, this was a movie. And that's as far as any of us will go. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Well, Sam, darling, don't look so forlorn. I know it's going to be hard to realize, but you and I just can't get on together. And I do love Kurt. I stand by that. 